Hello again, and uh, welcome to Pondering with the Peters uh, with me, Brendan. And Helena. <laughs> and I will never know how to start a podcast episode. Or end one. <laughs> or end one. I am terrible <clears throat> for that. All right, maybe. No, maybe. I'm, I'm going to start. Yeah, okay. By just disclaiming. Is that the right word? Yeah. Um... That we are not experts in any of these things. We are, you know, just a, well, long or shortly married, depending on how you look at 10 years, married couple with five kids who are just doing their best to live under God correctly. So take nothing we say as judgment or, you know, thinking that we're doing better than anybody else. This is encouragement. There we go. Okay. Yeah, great. yeah. And on that happy note. <laughs> <laughs> um, Get your coffee. Yeah, grab uh, grab your hot beverage. And we will dive, deep dive into one of our core values. So last episode, we looked at our family mission statement. And the core values that kind of ties that all together. And so core value number one is relationship with God. We feel like that is the bedrock for us as a married couple and as a family. And even us individually. Yes. And yeah, so we feel like relationship with God is kind of where we begin and then things kind of just go from there so looking at core value number one relationship with god we could kind of break that down into the same the same four categories uh, by which we explained the gospel last episode and so those categories are creation fall redemption and restoration so that's that that's basically the gospel in a nutshell, and that's essentially our relationship with God, in a nutshell. And so we'll we'll just break that, break down these categories now. Uh, beginning with n- number yeah, beginning with uh, creation. We are created for relationship with God. That that's kind of where where this starts and yeah, really begins in Genesis chapter one. Verses 26 to 27. What? Nothing. Oh. You just like looked at me all like condemningly. No, I, I do not condemn. Uh, <laughs> then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. All right. So, yeah, that, that kind of lays the foundation for our relationship with God. We were created to know God and to make him known. We were created in his image to reflect that image uh, in all of creation. Th- this is kind of reflected in uh, question one of the Westminster Catechism. What is... The chief end of man, 
To which the answer is... Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's right. Now, would you have known that if it wasn't on the computer screen? Yes, I would have. Ah! <laughs> and there's a reason for that. And we'll talk about that at the end of this podcast episode. Why Helena knows the question and answer one of the Westminster <laughs> Catechism. What? It's because I know it because I studied it. What are you talking about? No, yeah, of course. Yeah. There's a reason for that. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Okay. Yeah, no. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, it was Augustine who said, You have made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. So what he's saying is that we're created by God, for God, and obviously our hearts are going to be restless until they find rest in God. So we are created for a relationship with God. That's that's point one. Point two is the fall where we see how mankind ruined relationship with God. And we find that in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. All right. So here we see the dreadful fall of mankind. We see that the sound of the Lord God, which once brought them joy, now brought them sorrow. And how they were at one time naked and unshamed, and now uh, were shamed and sought to cover themselves up. And so, yeah. They were created for a relationship with God, and now mankind has since ruined that relationship. But then we see something really interesting in the next few verses after this. Uh, we see redemption. We see God seeking to restore mankind's relationship with God, and that's found in uh, these next few verses in Genesis 3, verses 9 to 15. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman who you gave me, you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. All right. 
So, and this is really fun for me because I, I've been preaching through Genesis. And if you if you go back to uh, the previous episodes in this podcast, you'll see that there are a whole bunch of sermons in the Genesis series. So preaching through Genesis has really kind of helped to for, formulate a lot of these things, uh, at least in my mind. I don't know if your mind at all. But... Um, there I go again. That's fine. Just Say, go. Yep. <clears throat> um, doc. <laughs> <laughs> I realized. I realized in listening to the first episode that we did that I said uh, and um a whole bunch of times. So I'm trying to refrain from doing that. Consciously, it's very hard. So. <laughs> so just add another filler. <laughs> Instead be... of um, I'm gonna say so. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah. God is the one who initiates relationship with mankind. You see that in verse 9 then. It's God who calls to the man, not man who calls to God. God says to the man, where are you? And and he's initiating the conversation through all of this. In fact, he's inviting the, the man and the woman to repent of their sin and to trust in him. He gives them plenty of opportunities to do that. They're just not ready to do that. Finally, even even in the, the, the midst of their rebellion, God gives them the promise of a child who will one day crush the head of the serpent so that God and humanity can be in right relationship with him once again. And we see that there are plenty of examples throughout Scripture of God seeking to restore that broken relationship and and through individuals like like Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and and the nation of Israel as a whole uh, king david is is another example the the tabernacle the temple the sacrificial system passover i was just reading in in one of my books uh, passover is is another one of those ways where where god is is restoring that broken relationship so there are, there are all these different kinds of, uh, of examples in the Old Testament of God attempting to, to restore that, that broken relationship. Finally, uh, Jesus, God made flesh, tabernacles with humanity. He suffers and he dies to pay the penalty for humanity's sin. He's raised from the dead. He ascends to the right hand of God the Father Almighty so that... God, the Holy Spirit, can dwell in those who trust in Jesus Christ by faith. And, and so we see that there is, there is a glimpse of this full and final restoration to come in the Holy Spirit dwelling in the people of God. This is, <clears throat> this is uh, I don't know, this is a relationship unlike <laughs> anything really in 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 scripture at least this is what this is what Adam and Eve's relationship with God was supposed to be like but it, it failed in, in being like this because they uh they sinned and they uh fell short of the the glory of God 
and that's we receive the, the Holy Spirit and we get a glimpse of this full and final restoration. But there is a full and final restoration to come. We still await the final fulfillment of this promise. And this is where we see the, the, the fourth and, and final part of this relationship with God, and that is restoration. And we see this in Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Yeah. So, God will forever dwell with his people. That is the final fulfillment of this promise of restoration that we see already back in in Genesis chapter 3, after, after the fall of, of mankind. Uh, until then, God has given us ways to relate to him or be in relationship with him. And that is by way of spiritual disciplines. And so, Helena, what are some of the spiritual disciplines? We actually took a class... <laughs> On this at uh, Nippon Bible College, didn't you? Eight years ago. Okay. Just throw that out there. But this isn't just like, just like... Off the top of my off head. Off the top of your off head. Off the top of my head, the spiritual disciplines would be prayer and fasting and solitude. And there's like nine of them. And I just mentioned three. Um, <laughs> uh, worship. That kind of encompasses those, though. Oh, um, yeah, you're good. Well, corporate worship. There's corporate worship. And then food. I don't know. <laughs> food? <laughs> Is that one of them? The spiritual discipline of food. <laughs> well, eating food. Eating together. food. <laughs> gratitude, so... gratitude for food. What are the spiritual disciplines? Oh, my word. Okay. No, no, no. It's, it, Yeah. <laughs> so that that class you took though, it was called what? Spiritual formation. Spiritual formation was actually really really good. I yeah. really liked it. By Joel Houston. Joel Houston. Who is now it. who is now a doctor. Yeah. Doctor. <laughs> Doctor Joel Houston. Doctor Houston. Uh, he was not a doctor at the time. And known. he was kind of. I think he was working off of uh, Richard J. Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline. Yeah, that was our text. That that was your your textbook that you yeah. had to write. You you audited the class. So <laughs> I could have taken it though. You could have taken it yeah. and. Yeah, rocked you, you it. You probably but, would have nailed it. But instead, I audited it. There you go. Took the easy way out. Yeah. <laughs> no shame. <laughs> so, yeah, he mentions 12 spiritual disciplines. So you're, 12? You were, yeah, you were doing well. Great. You were doing well. <laughs> so there are inward disciplines, and that is meditation, prayer, fasting, and study. And then there's okay. outward disciplines of simplicity solitude where which that's my jam that's not my jam that's not holiness jam if there was a spiritual discipline of being in large groups of people that would be that'd be <laughs> helena and submission and service so those are the outward disciplines and then there are corporate disciplines of confession worship guidance oh and celebration what's yes. that last one there Celebration. Celebration. Oh, And what yeah. do you do at a celebration? <laughs> are eat. You, are you going to say eat? You eat. <laughs> what celebration have you ever been to where you didn't eat? 
Okay, I guess if there's fasting, there should be the, the, yes. the adverse, adverse the, the opposite, opposite of fasting is feasting. Yes, which is like hugely important to God. <coughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. Do you know how many feasts are in the Bible? God loves a party. Three, God loves, actually. Okay, yeah. well, whatever. You know what? I literally just read this today. <laughs> but they did them every year at prescribed times. Yeah. So. And there's even a feast to come. Which feasting I think, I think we're gonna look at is important next episode. Yes. Yeah. So feasting feasting is important. So celebration. That that is that is what that uh yeah, those those corporate disciplines. So a good question then is do spiritual disciplines save you? Absolutely not. No, that is correct. Uh, <laughs> Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just kind of like threw you off there. Um, they are a means to an end, not the end itself. Yeah, they're a grace. They are a grace. And you don't move on from grace, which is what we just looked at. That's right. No graduation. No, no grace graduates here. Uh, spiritual disciplines are, they're like, what would you say, mile markers? As you move towards the uh, the destination, is that what, would you say that? Uh, sure. I, I just thought of this now. Yeah, let's say mile markers. Yeah, they're kind of like you know. Well, they're... well, it's something like you're in, you're in a roundabout though. You're seeing the mile markers. <laughs> like you're supposed to continue them. It's not like you're like check mark and then I could never have to do that one again. <laughs> It's like okay, I okay, meditated okay. once and now I'm good. You're, so I've you're, prayed once. So you're in a roundabout. You're just going along and you're just picking up speed as you go. Okay, yeah. that was a terrible <laughs> illustration. Just forget. <laughs> just, Moving on from just that. Forget, forget that. Forget that we even mentioned that. <laughs> you um, mentioned it. <laughs> great. Um, yeah. Dang. Oh, okay. Throwing you off. My bad. Spiritual disciplines don't save you. So then what's the point? What's what's the purpose of spiritual disciplines then? They connect you to God. That was the whole point of this. Excellent. No, I'm. Oh, I'm getting the point. Yes, they yeah. are. They are. <laughs> they are to refresh your relationship with God. There you go. It's like having coffee with a friend. You don't just like build a friendship and then never see them again. You invite them over for coffee and you connect with them, and that's what you do with God with your spiritual disciplines until such time. As you are forever with him. That's also a terrible analogy. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> That's a little bit better than the, the mile marker. Yeah, but still doesn't quite cut it. You're just you're just all about food and drink, aren't you? Huh? Yeah. And celebrating. Yeah, celebrating. Okay, so then practicality-wise, what does time with God look like? What, what does it look like for... You. What does it look like? Well, not not for not for people listening. No, but to be me, able like to Helena. to mirror. Although these might be these might help you. Ideas. They might give you ideas for right. your time with God. Okay. Well, uh, Brennan and I separately and together. That's weird. But like, we both work our way through the McShane Bible reading plan, mm-hmm. which has you read through the Bible in a year. And we both do that. We do our Bible reading separately, but it's nice that we're on the same plan because then we can discuss things that we read um, when that comes up that we want to. Um, So I do that every year. I do a read through the Bible in a year thing. And I'm not 
legalistic about it. I just like do it. I do it while I, uh, like I listen on the audio Bible is how I do that personally. And I, which I'm just going to interject here, which is, is the point. So I, I think what we normally, no, oh, not normally, what we sometimes do when we come to Bible reading is we, we think that we have to like get out our, get out our journals, get out our, our, um, like our, our commentaries, get out our uh, concordances so that we can really dive into the Bible, which isn't bad. No, if, if, if that's what you're, you're doing, that's excellent. But I think that a lot of people find Bible reading daunting because they, they have to, because they feel like they have to study it. And I think what, what we just want to suggest is just getting into the word. Uh, I think just reading the Bible, just in getting it into you mm-hmm. is one of the best things that you can do. Get familiar with it. Yeah, just get familiar with it. Start start reading through large chunks of scripture so that you are able to even just internalizing little bits as you go. That yeah. that is hugely important. Anyway, continue. Yeah, so that's reading it in big chunks like that. I've really been enjoying the last multiple years. But on the flip side of that, I just got um, a membership to Amy Gannett's Bible study thing. Um, and so I do that less consistently, although I try to, just if the kids are busy doing something, I'll try to do it or whatever during the day, which is more of a study thing. So I'm looking at specific things. So right now I'm studying Sabbath in the Bible and what that looks like. So that's a more in-depth study that I do on my own. But I'm also part of a kind of mom's Bible study that we meet together weekly and do a book of the Bible study um, and discuss things. And I really enjoy that as well. And of course, morning worship with Brennan. Oh, that's sweet. That's good. <laughs> I thought you were going to neglect that. No, it was, I really like it. Yeah. So since March, February, mm. February, February, yeah. Since, uh, since February, we have been doing this morning worship time and we haven't been overly consistent with it. Like we don't do it every single day. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll often like miss a day here or there. But what what it is, is we go through the book, Be Thou My Vision by Jonathan Gibson, which includes 31 days of different worship-filled activities. And so he begins each day, how each day runs is, it begins with a call to worship with, from, from scripture, and then there is a prayer of adoration, a reading of the law, a prayer of confession, a prayer of what is that? <laughs> Enlightenment is the only word that's coming to mind. <laughs> you know, like before you read the word, when you like, what is that word? I was gonna say affirmation. No. Anyway, it's a liturgy. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. 
Oh my word. No, don't get caught up. Just move on. <sighs> okay. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, the a, a scripture passage that reaffirms our relationship with God. Then a recitation of a creed of one of the creeds, either the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, or the Athanasian Creed. A, um, a question from the Westminster Catechism, which is why Helena would know. Question one of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Also because my mom raised me. Yeah, well, with right. That. And then we also read a passage of scripture and a devotional from New Morning Mercies by Paul David Tripp. Highly recommend. Highly recommend. Uh, he just gut punches you every, every day, every single day. <laughs> and it's like, you got it. <laughs> After a while, you, you think, surely this day won't, won't be something that'll hit me. No, it hits every you day. every single day. New Morning Mercies by Paul David Tripp. Amazing. And then it concludes with, uh, another prayer. Oh, there's a prayer of intercession before yes. the, the before so the Bible. Pray for others. Yeah. Or no, um, not intercession. The prayer of intercessions. The the last thing. Oh. Well, actually, the last thing is the Lord's prayer. We've totally just confused. Yeah. Anyway, people. it's a great book. Be that my yeah. vision by Be Jonathan that, Gibson. Yeah. It works through a liturgy for your morning worship. And That's all so you need to know. yeah, thir- thirty one days, and we've cycled through that like five different times. And it is just being so. Yeah, I mean, it's the same, same prayers and same same readings every thirty one days, but it it never gets old, and it's always turning our our hearts back to God, which is the mm-hmm. the point of what we're doing. So yeah, that that's our morning worship time that we do just about every morning, mm-hmm. and it's it's just been such a huge blessing to me. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm guessing it's the same and for me. you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, just along with what Helena mentioned as well, uh, I would say church, the ga- the regular gathering together of the body of believers has been super just formational for me mm-hmm. in my relationship with, with God. So uh, I think that that church is also a hugely important in, in that regard. Anything else about what does time with God look like? Uh, that covers yeah. it, I think. Yeah, yeah de- um, definitely don't, don't, don't pattern your time with God necessarily after our time with God. As long as you're getting that, that regular time, you're setting aside time with God so that you can relate to him mm-hmm. uh, i think that's the whole point of the, the spiritual disciplines uh take take a take a, one of the spiritual disciplines and and really really uh work on that and over time it uh yeah god will god will work on your heart and your mind as he forms you into the person jesus christ mm-hmm. our core outcome what we want to achieve with this core value of relationship with God is to study the word of God individually and collectively to come to God in prayer and to center our decisions around Christ. And so we're our, our hope is that our value of 
relationship with God will be affirmed as we work out these these different things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that is core value number one. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be going through the other core values in our family mission statement, and hopefully you will be blessed by them. Agreed. <laughs> All right, since I... Peter's signing off. <laughs> yeah, since I am terrible at signing off, uh, we'll just say God bless and hope you have a good rest of your week. Blessings.